welcome back to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and stroke survivor. Today's plank challenge is day nine. I hope things are going well. Um, Today's the day where the, depending on which track you're on, you will do a different amount of time. So, If you are on the three-minute track for the plank challenge, you will do 50 seconds, 5-0, 50-second plank today. If you're on the five-minute track for the plank challenge, you will do 60 seconds today. So 6-0 seconds today. So good luck with that. And today we are exploring the theme of surrendering control and understanding that we are not running the show. Um, So this morning in my sobriety meeting, we did uh, the daily reflection, and this is on the AA website. But um, I really wanted to correlate this to my stroke recovery as well. So we're talking about a little bit of both today, both recoveries, if you will. So uh, many of us, whether you're in recovery or not, live through what I heard this morning um, called self-imposed crises. Um, And these are those chaotic scenarios that we found ourselves in uh, largely due to our own actions and decisions. And in the throes of alcoholism, for me, it felt like I was like constantly putting out fires that I started without ever questioning why I was playing with the matches in the first place. Um, When I got sober, I was faced with this decision. Again, this was mentioned in the daily reflection from this morning. Um, I, I was faced with the decision about what God means to me. Um, And the daily reflection mentioned this, is God everything to me or is he nothing? Uh, Because he has to be one or the other. He can't be pretty much what what I had developed him into in my life. So for me, before sobriety, um, God wasn't either. Um, I was like floating in this limbo of my own making where the concept of a higher power was more of like an abstract idea. It was more like a story, almost like a fairy tale, really. Um, It was more like that than it was any sort of like guiding presence. I mean, I can't say that I didn't pray sometimes when I was growing up, I did. Um, My mom took us to church when I was younger. I remember that. Um, And that stuck with me. It always did. Um, So I'm happy that I had that foundation that started when I was young. But when push came to shove, 
when I got to the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, I needed to pick a side, whether God was everything or he was nothing. And since I had that uh, exposure when I was younger, I always had this desire to believe in something greater than myself. Um, but I was held back from this for fear of, um, like embarrassment, I guess, you know, um, that I was going to be criticized or, um, there's like this vulnerability that comes with faith, in my opinion, um, if you talk about it out loud. And that I know is 100% a result of my experiences throughout my life thus far. Um, and if you remember, I wouldn't talk about it for, uh, for several months of this podcast in the beginning. And it was because I, that vulnerability, that, um, fear of, you know, I've always said it's my business. My higher power is my own business. I don't want to talk about it. And it's, it really was because I didn't want anybody to judge me for what I believe because what I believe is not what you believe, period. I can guarantee you that. Um, so I didn't talk about it. And what I've come to accept more so now than ever is that I can't not talk about it because it's a huge part of my program and my mental and emotional stability is guided by this idea that I'm not alone. And I have to believe this or I will drink. That is a guarantee. <laughs> I can tell you that. This idea is what kept me sober um, when I was first entered into sobriety the, se at the second time after I went to my second detox and I took a business trip to San Diego and I was there by myself and I've talked about this previously, but I was there by myself and... Um, and I wanted to drink and I felt like I didn't have the choice. I felt like I had to drink because I wanted to drink because that's what alcoholics think. If I want to drink, that means I have to drink and I can't stop myself. I mean, that's what this alcoholic thought. So I didn't know what to do. And I just walked uh, repeatedly around the block um, because I didn't want to stop and go to eat. Uh, it was in the evening, dinner time. I didn't want to stop and eat somewhere because I was afraid I was going to drink. So I just kept walking. And um, I kept saying to myself, nobody would know. If I drank, nobody would know. And, um, and then like on my third lap around the block, um, I don't know if I said I was in San Diego or San Francisco. If I, if I didn't say it, I was in San Francisco, but, um, so on my third lap, I thought I would know, I would know, and my higher power would know. And so I didn't drink that day and I haven't drank since then because I have never felt alone 
since that day that I was walking around the block and came to that realization that I would know and my higher power would know. And if I truly want to have faith, then that's what this faith looks like. So, um, so I have to believe that I have a higher power um, and that I'm never alone um, so that I can stay sober, period. And in turn, I can accept that I have zero control over my future. Like, that's a result, is if I really have faith in a higher power, then I have zero control uh, over my future. Future, And there's a freedom in admitting that, you know. It's that, that thing that I say before I go to bed every night, thy will be done, not mine. Yet, as I've learned uh, a lot recently, <laughs> saying it is one thing, living it is another. And I realized this morning that I, I do say this, thy will be done, not mine, every night before I go to bed. But I don't say it during the day. And I say it before I go to bed to help me fall asleep, to help me through the night. But I don't say it to help me through the day. And I thought this was really interesting. I hadn't even thought about that yet. You know, it's like I was ending my day. I was like, it's like I'm filling up my cup. I don't know why I have a picture of a two liter Sprite bottle in my head right now, but it's like I'm filling up this two liter Sprite bottle full of such a dumb analogy, but whatever. Stay with me. I'm like, before I go to bed, I'm filling up this bottle with all of my faith and my acceptance and my, um, you know, all the good stuff that helps me have good dreams and all of that, you know? Um, and I fill it up and I put a cap on it before I go to bed and set it on my nightstand. And, but it, what happens in the morning? Does that mean that throughout the day I'm just pouring out everything that's in that Sprite bottle and it doesn't get filled up until the evening again? That doesn't make any sense. Um, there are times that I will uh, say a little gratitude, like, thank you. You know, when when something happens that I'm like, okay, that was really perfect. It happened at the perfect time, and I'm so, so grateful that it did, that kind of thing. I will go, thank you, and like look up at the sky because it's just my way of not acknowledging that... Um, that I'm grateful, you know, of, of the little things. Um, but that's about all I do in the middle of the day. I don't do any, you know, I think the God box is uh, really in the same respect, this let go, let God, this thy will be done thing. Um, doing the God box in the middle of the day is the same thing. It, it's letting go. It's, it's admitting that I don't have control. Um, but I wonder if I might just say that little prayer that I say before bed a little more throughout the day. It might be a helpful reminder to me to say it out loud. 
Um, so let's see. Um, as you know, yesterday I had what I like to call, I don't like to call, what I do call a shitty day. And it was a day that no matter how hard I fight to have control, regardless of whether I think I'm in charge, I'm not in charge of anything. And it doesn't matter if my faith feels strong on days like that, um, or should I say days like these that I'm having lately, it doesn't matter if I think I'm in control or not. Like, nothing changes. Life is still happening in the same way if I think I have control or if I don't think I have control. The same thing is happening. So, why am I wasting all of this energy trying to control something that can't be controlled? You know, I'm still here in pain, whether I, you know, try to research the the depths of the internet. I almost said the bowels of the internet, but um, I don't go there. Whether I do that or not, I'm still going to be in pain. I'm going to be in more pain putting myself through that. Um, so I got to let go. You know, I've got to let the medical professionals do what they are here to do. And if I truly believe in a higher power, even on days that I feel alone and less spiritual, my higher power's presence is the same, and it is beyond my understanding. The presence of my higher power, if I really do have faith, that same faith that I felt in San Francisco, that presence doesn't fluctuate with my circumstances or diminish with my doubts. So my control, right? My control is meaning or my feeling of control, my sense of control doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. All it does is change what's going on inside of me and cause more pressure. And my faith, um, you know, it sounds bad, but I listened to a video that was really great today about it doesn't do anything. <laughs> you know, what I mean is it's there whether I feel it strongly or not. It's just there. If I truly believe what I believe, what I've come to believe starting that day in San Francisco, then it exists whether I have strong days of faith or not. Um, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like chicken or the egg, <laughs> or, or maybe it's not, I don't know. But like, my faith, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm talking myself into a, <laughs> into a circle, maybe you understand what I'm saying. Um, it doesn't fluctuate. Um, the presence doesn't fluctuate with my faith. 
if it really is truly what it, what it, what I think it is. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to stop. So in my journey, um, I have been fascinated in my sobriety journey. I've been fascinated so far by the intelligence and the cunning capabilities of alcoholics. And I really have thought that I was on to something when when I thought, you know, alcoholics are some of the most intelligent people I know. And uh, but it but it made me sound like I was inflating my own <laughs> my own ego. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm brilliant. <laughs> but it's true. Like once these alcoholics get sober, um, there is so many smart, smart, incredible people that emerge out of sobriety. Um, it's quite exciting to see what was hiding in there. And although we go to meetings and we talk very much about how we haven't figured things out and like, if you know, leaning on each other and all that stuff, yet together as we do that every day and then we set each other off out into the world and all we have when we leave the meeting and go out into the world is this concept of a higher power, it's still like we can move mountains together. It's like we have faith in each other, in this thing called AA, in this um, this energy that has been built within the group. Um, so that when we go out to, to live our lives each day, we carry that energy with us. And, and that's my, that's my experience. Um, but this intelligence that, that I'm so wowed by in alcoholics, it also, I think, can be self-deceiving, you know, like, that we've it leads us to think we can control more than that more than we can um and the truth is no matter how eloquently we explain or or how desperately we try to guide each other and uh, our other loved ones not in the program we can't control anyone else's journey but our own. And even our own is a little limited, right? Uh, so others have to experience their journey firsthand. Um, and honestly, I'm pretty sure my advice isn't any better than what anyone, you know, what they would figure out on their own, other people. It's taken me a long time to figure that out, and I'm still learning it. But my advice for somebody else um, isn't going to be great advice because I'm basing my advice on my experience. 
And how is my experience? You know, sometimes it works, you know, if if there are things, you know, I was talking to my daughter today over um, text about she wanted to know my experience with some things. And I shared it with her. And, and in that case, I wasn't giving her any advice. I was just sharing my experience. I wasn't trying to guide her in any direction. I was just giving her knowledge. That's it. You know, um, so that she can make her own choices. And that's really different than trying to give somebody advice based on my experience. Because it still might not be the best advice for somebody else. Um, I even, I was thinking today, even at work, I realized that, so I was a marketing director. And at one time I had like eight people in my group. And I remember we would have like our team meetings and more often than not, we would we would be talking about a project and everybody would give their input on what what they think that we should do about the project. More often than not, my opinion <laughs> was different than the entire group's opinion. And what I learned is that you know, leading leading my group wasn't about me, you know, practicing my power as a people leader and saying, you guys all think we should do this, but I think we should do it the other way. So I'm the director, we're going to do it my way. That is not, that is not what being a people leader is. It's about being able to get the group together, um, allowing them to be at their best, to give their best, and to accept their best. You know, honestly, everybody in that group was the, where they were the experts. I am an expert in my own way, at my own things, but together as a group, um, you know, who am I to say, okay, you guys all think that I disagree, we're going to do it my way. That's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so I think about that as far as just that control thing, you know. Um, so the big book of AA talks about the root of our troubles as alcoholics is in selfishness and self-centeredness. And in my drinking days, and even now in sobriety, there is this like incessant need to control how others perceive me. Um, like, it's like I have this inner emptiness that's always there. Not big, not a big old gap that needs to be filled, but this little inner emptiness that needs to be filled with external validations. And I know I'm not the only one. And this 
compulsion to to try to lead people to like me or think think a certain way about me stems from fear of loss and fear of abandonment. Um, I learned this about myself when I went to my addiction therapist the first two years of my sobriety. And I'm better than I used to be, but I'm far away from not still being driven daily by this need. I know that it's there, but now at least I recognize that it's there. And it's just another angle of control. Like I want to control what other people think. Um, And that's just ridiculous, right? I mean, even saying it out loud is ridiculous. I want to control what you think. Um, Now, when you say I want to control what you think about me, it seems almost like it's something I can control because the word me is in there, but it's not. I, I can't control what you think, period. And I hear this all the time in sobriety. What other people think of me is none of my business. And I don't know where that came from, but um, I know it's, it's all over the place now. Um, I hear it, and I, and I really like it because it's true. Um, if you take out the of me and you just say, what other people think is none of my business, and leave me out of it, um, it, it is, it's even more powerful to me um, to listen to it that way. So... I'm learning to surrender daily um, to embrace the natural flow of life um, instead of resisting it. Um, Every day I feel like I wake up and I'm faced with a problem. That's what I feel like. Um, I open my eyes and it feels like I'm facing a problem that needs to be solved. And it's like, as soon as I open my eyes, I'm grabbing a hold of the steering wheel, you know, and I'm trying to fix my problem. My problem being this stroke recovery, this disability, I think is, is the, the issue. And I'm not, it's not, it's not an active thing. I'm not, by waking up and, and seeing a problem in front of me and grabbing a hold of the wheel, um, all I'm doing is, is getting my, myself moving faster, getting my heart rate up, uh, you know, getting my, my blood pumping, um, thinking about the challenge. I'm never, I'm never like getting in a boat and just letting the waves guide me. You know what I mean? I'm not letting life just guide me. And 
it feels like when I wake up, so I, I wake up with this one problem, right? My disability. And then it feels like throughout the day, as my head starts hurting more, and I start having life happen, whether it's dealing with my insurance, dealing with, you know, the house, dealing with um, doctors, dealing, whatever, dealing with whatever, um, house stuff, car stuff, dog stuff, you know, all of, kids stuff, all of that. It feels like problems just start building, you know, they start building on top of each other. And what's going on on the inside of me, that feeling of problems growing and this need to control, it's like, I'm having a hard time articulating this, but it's like, being in one of the, you know, the, the, you see it on like a game show. There's like a big glass, uh, container thing and they put a person in it and then the dollar bills come flowing in (laughs) and they're flying all around and the person's like grabbing the dollar bills and they have to collect as many dollar bills as they can before, you know, the time limits out or whatever. I feel like throughout the day, I'm in one of those containers and the dollar bills, though, are my problems. And I'm like just flailing around trying to grab as many problems and fix them as possible in one day before my time runs out, (laughs) right before it's bedtime. And it's no fun to do that. Um... There are no problems that are piling up on me. It's my perception of what's going on. Um, If I just sit, say meditate, or I just sit here for a second during this podcast, if I just stop talking for you know, for a minute, let's say, there's nothing piling up on me. It's because I'm slowing down and getting quiet that I can actually hear the silence of my life. That's why meditation is so effective for me because when I get quiet, my brain gets quiet. You know, when I just take time to listen to life, to listen to my environment, it like grounds me and helps me realize that nothing's changing right now. No matter what I do, no matter how much I'm flailing my arms around, I'm not grabbing a hold of anything. I'm not changing anything. Um, So just stop. You know, just stop. 
So I don't know if, if a lot of that is um, making sense. I'm trying real hard, but <laughs> um, I have the same circumstance every day when I wake up. Um, yesterday, I woke up with this problem I had to solve, my disability. And then today, I woke up with that same feeling that I had a problem that needed to be solved. And, and it's still there, <laughs> you know. Nothing's changing, no matter how much I'm trying to solve this problem. Nothing's changing. I'm wasting a lot of energy. And what I can do is I can reframe this from waking up to a problem that I need to solve. Like I mentioned yesterday, it's not my problem to solve. Um, and I think I just mentioned that earlier. I can't control f finding a cure for my disability. I can't find the cause of my disability. There's nothing I can do. All I can do is control my symptoms. And so, yeah, reframing this from being a problem that needs to be solved to being a new day to make enjoyable. So instead of looking at the problems, all of those dollar bills flying around my head and I'm flailing around trying to grab them, um, rather than looking at all of those, look at the existence. Look at just being, you know, being present, being grateful. I'm a human being, and I'm not looking at that ever. I'm looking at all the things flying around my head. Um trying to reframe this from waking up to a problem that needs to be solved into waking up to opportunities to practice surrendering this whole idea and try to have the most fun I can, the most enjoyable day I can with the least amount of pain. It sounds like an equation. <laughs> what is the what is the most amount of fun you can have with the least amount of pain? Go. <laughs> and um and you know I was a math major and yes, I will pull that card my whole entire life cuz it makes me feel smart. Um but that's what it feels like, you know, that I'm constantly trying to figure out a problem. And and the problem really, uh, it's not a problem. You know, it's not a problem. It's, it's just life. And I, and I need to adapt to living it this new way. I'm totally rambling, but I hope you're okay with that. <laughs> so anyway, as I wrap up today's episode, I encourage you to reflect on your own relationship with control and think about if you're holding on to, you know, too tightly 
to the reins, like fearing what might happen if you let go. But like I've been, been talking about today, it feels like nothing different happens if you let go. It's, it's what's on the inside that stops suffering. And life still keeps going in the same direction it was going with or without you white knuckling the wheel. Um, of course, we can, you know, move the rudder. <laughs> I'm, now I'm like talking about cars, I'm talking about ships, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like we just sit back and don't do anything and don't engage with life. But there's only so much that we can do. Um, you know, I'm not running the show. And if I, if I truly have that faith that I began to have in San Francisco seven and a half years ago, seven years ago, um, then there's somebody else in charge and I need to let him. I need to let him do it. Like, it's rude. <laughs> it's rude. It's like going into somebody else's house and trying to start telling everybody what to do in, their, in somebody else's house, you know? Um, I'm in my higher powers house and I need to let him run the show. And, um, so that's what I got for you today. Thanks for letting me ramble. It felt kind of good. Maybe I'll ramble a little more unless it was annoying. If it was annoying, email me at rachel at recoverydailypodcast.com. Thanks for joining me and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye.